Well, welcome to the Christmas Eve service. Now, you may be wondering why I have Levi with me, because he wasn't fussing. So why did I feel the need to bring him up? Well, when we come to Christmas, we think about Jesus in terms of his birth and the excitement of the baby. And I bring Levi up because he's still a baby. He's not one yet, so he's still classified a baby. And when we look at a baby, what are the things that we think of? We think of new life. We think of energy. Moms think of sleepless nights, but that's not what I'm going for. Dads, we think of that too. But sometimes when we look in the mirror, we remember, we remember the good things. We remember our successes. We remember the highlights of life. But all too often, we also re- remember the regrets. I remember the things that we're not so proud of. We remember the mistakes. We remember the things that we wish we could take back. And because of time and because of so many reasons, we can't. But when we look at a baby, there's no mistakes. There's no errors. There's no sin. There's just innocence and nothing but pure potential. And the fun of the baby is that as... He is discovering now the things like crawling and walking and soon talking and soon talking back and soon um, how to grow up and how to graduate and how to have a family of his own. And as he's discovering it, we get to discover it right along with him. We know that in Scripture, God says that every one of our stories is already written in the book of life. That every detail, every single day has already been recorded before we even breathed our first breath. But we don't know it. And He doesn't know it. And so we go on this journey and we're excited and we are excited to see what He learns. And we're excited to pick Him up when He falls down. And it takes more than just the parents. We do it as a community. We do it because we are a family of believers. When we look at a baby, we see nothing but good things. Now, mama's taken off, so Mitch, oh, Sean is coming to save you. (laughs) And sometimes, when we get to Christmas, we focus so much on the birth. We focus so much on the baby Jesus and the good things that a baby brings that we sometimes forget that this is only the beginning of the story and we don't have to wait to see how it ends. We already know how this story goes. We already know the good things that this baby is going to accomplish. We already know the significance of Christmas does not stop simply because Jesus was born. The story doesn't stop after Luke 2, verse 7, where it says he was born in a manger because there's no place for him in the inn. The story doesn't stop because Joseph and Mary wandered to Bethlehem to be counted in the census by Caesar Augustus. It doesn't stop there. We have everything he's ever accomplished. And the goodness of Christ's birth is not simply that he was born, The goodness of Christ's birth is everything that would come to follow. 
And we get a highlight of it in Matthew 2 when we look at the story of the three wise men. And now, I forgot that this guy had to sit on a camel. I was hoping for something a little shorter, but... But we got to Matthew 2 and read about the Magi who traveled from a long distance from the east and they come to Jesus and they find him not as a baby as every nativity scene shows and every kid's play ever depicted, but we find that Jesus is a little bit older and they bring three gifts with them. That's why we typically say there's only three Magi. We don't actually know there's only three. We know there was more than two, there's more than one because it talks about it in the plural. But we say three because of the three gifts that the Magi brought. And it's the three gifts that give us a little taste of what is to come in this young life. We have the first gift, the gift of gold. A gift that is befitting of a king. And that was the point of the gold. The gold was to foreshadow the fact that Jesus was to be the king, not just of Israel, but the king of the world. And as we remember the gold, we remember that some of us at times have had bad kings in our lives. And you're like, well, I don't have any kings in my life. But maybe the king takes the form of a habit that you just can't break. An addiction that just keeps coming back. We have these things that we submit ourselves to that we make king over our lives. And Jesus comes and he says, as, as good as that thing might be and as much as that thing convinces you that it's all you'll ever need, Jesus is actually the better king. And the good news is that you can be free from those things that hold you back. You can be free from those bondages that so often rob us from our life. You can be free because... We have a better king who's born in, a, born in a stable amongst a bunch of animals because there's no room for him in the inn. There's no palace waiting for him. This king who comes humbly comes and invites himself into your life and says that as I can be the better king. In me you will find true freedom. The second wise man gives the gift of frankincense. Frankincense might seem like an odd one, but frankincense is, in essence, just incense. And incense was the tool of the priest to create the atmosphere of worship in Jesus' day. And so a gift of befitting a priest. And what is a priest? A priest is a spokesperson for God. A priest is the one who takes the mysteries of God and takes the takes the word and unpacks it so that we can understand it. But a priest in that day also stood in the gap so that when we made a mistake, we didn't go directly to God, but the priest stood between us as our advocate, as the one who besought God on our behalf to find the healing that we needed, to find the forgiveness that we needed. And though we know we can go directly to God because of his word, Hebrews tells us that we have a great high priest who experienced every temptation we could ever experience. And that priest that Hebrew, the author of Hebrews is talking about is Jesus. 
Whether we acknowledge it or not, Jesus is always, even now, interceding on your behalf, standing before God, pleading for you, and pleading for your family, and pleading for your friends, and pleading for your, your neighbor, that God would send His Holy Spirit to do what only His Spirit can do. We read about how when we come to pray and we just don't have the words, that the Holy Spirit enables us to pray with groanings too deep for words. And that is only possible because of the priest that Jesus would become. He, Jesus is the sovereign king. He is the king of all kings, that every knee will bow to him. But Jesus is also the great high priest, a priest that there has never been a priest like Jesus. There has never been one who stood in the gap for you and for me and for all of us, petitioning and praying and interceding for us. The third wise man, the third gift, the gift of myrrh. Now what is myrrh? Myrrh was used for the embalming of dead bodies. Good gift for a kid. Two years old, hmm, get him a toy or get him a bottle of myrrh. Let's see. The myrrh, of course, foreshadowing the greatest gift that Jesus ever gave for us, his own life. Because in the midst of the sin, in the midst of him interceding for us, in the midst of us, him going to God and pleading our case, there is still a debt to be paid. There is still sin to be forgiven. There is still a sacrifice that had to be made. And this little baby, this sounds like an Easter message. It kind of is, because you can't talk about Christmas without talking about Easter. You can't talk about the significance of Jesus coming to earth without talking about the sacrifice that he made. And Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus is the only sacrifice. Not only you, but oftentimes when I'm trying to break a habit or trying to get out of something, I so often, if I try to do it on my own strength, and that is going to become abundantly apparent, and for all the guys doing the Exodus 90, you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Trying to do it on my own strength doesn't work. I am not strong enough to break those habits. I am not strong enough to break that bond. I'm not strong enough because I can't do it. I can't break the sin nature. I can't break that temptation. I can't change who I am. I need help. And the only way we were going to get the help that we needed was this little baby had to grow up to become a man and do what only God could do. Pay the price that only He could pay that we could find forgiveness that we could find redemption, that we could find healing, whether it's physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, that any healing you need is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. The gift of myrrh, foreshadowing the price that Jesus was going to pay so that you and I could have a relationship with God. A guilt-free conscience-easing 
relationship because when G, when God the Father looks at you and all of his righteousness and all of his holiness and everything that God is when he looks at you if you have declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior he doesn't see you he doesn't see your sins he sees his son in you and because of that he sees all the potential that you have he sees everything that he's going to accomplish in and through you all because of the best gift God ever gave to us, his son. And so as we pause this Christmas season, and as we take time to remember and to reflect, it's not just about coming and listening to good music. It's not just about a baby. It's about a God who stripped off his divinity, became man, and shone his light into a world that so desperately needed his light to shine. How's that for a segue to the candlelighting service? Because this is why we bring down the lights Christmas Eve. This is why we all get a candle, and children don't get candles because children and fire don't mix. Children in melted wax and cloth chairs don't mix. So they get glow sticks, we get candles. Because we, can, we may not agree on everything, but the one thing that we could probably agree on is the fact that our world is not, it's not the way that it should be. There's a lot wrong in our world. And when I say there's a lot wrong, there's a lot of darkness. And Jesus came to be the light for us so that we could be the light for everyone else. And so tonight, as we go and each of us takes our candle and we light it and we are in, entranced by the flame, remember that you don't just go out of here as like, oh, that was nice. But we leave here doing what Jesus taught us to do, shining his light into the world. And that as we gather with our family and we pause for Christmas, we remember that Christmas isn't about the stuff it's not about family. It's not even about a baby. It's about a sacrifice that our God made so that the world would come to know him and find the forgiveness that is only found in him, find the life that is only found in him and him alone. And that makes Jesus the best gift of all. I'm going to pray and I come down. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. Got a few more songs, but we are going to start lighting the candles. Heavenly Father, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for the goodness and the innocence that is found in a baby. And Jesus, I thank you that you started there. You didn't come right out of the gate and glory and a majesty that the world would see you, but that you came humbly as a child, that you, God, you, Jesus, who sustains all creation, became something that needed to be sustained and supported by mere human beings. And you came 
to shine your light in a world that desperately needs your light. So Jesus, as we go, I pray that it is not just an empty thing, it's not just a picturesque moment of lighting a candle, but that this would be our reminder that as you became the light in our world, as you became the light in our life, that we would be your light to our family, to our neighbors, to our community, and to our world. Jesus, I thank you that you are the ultimate example and that we can follow you and that you give us the strength to do it well. I pray this in your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen.